This is Neo Zodiac speaking. In 1968, a man would appear on the movie scene with a film that he had no idea would change horror forever and inspire so many. George Romero would become known for pushing the envelope of social commentary. Funny enough, he had no clue how important some of his choices would be. During the casting of Night of Living Dead, Romero had said he simply chose who was best for the parts. Those decisions made some of that social commentary even more pointed. After several sequels and even more years, a student of the game decided to pay homage to this classic. Tom Savini had a passion and love for the genre that led him to this moment. In 1990, his vision came to the screen. With some amazing casting choices of his own, he created a wonderful piece of film history with his remake. Though the original is my favorite film of all time, I look forward to this war. The innovator of the zombie genre goes head-to-head -head with the man who has created a thousand faces. Let's get it on. Hello and welcome to Horror Wars. My name is Lamont and I will be guiding you through this macabre dance of a show where two longtime friends fought horror movies against their inevitable remake. Please be aware that horror movies, as a general rule of thumb, have violence, gore, murder, rape, dismemberment, crazy practical effects, and much more. Also, the hosts aren't versed in languages from around the world, so they may mess up some names and places here and there. If none of that bothers you, then get ready for a podcast like none other. This is Horror Wars. Hello out there to all of our guys, gals, non-binary pals, spooky cuties, hair-raising homies, freaks, geeks, and anything in between with a butthole. I'm Rob. I'm Josh. And this is Horror Wars. We are the show that puts original horror movies against their remakes in an all-out war to determine which will reign supreme. We do this with a series of scores that we give to one or the other to see who comes out on top. This week, we have the original episode 50. The original mm -hmm. big dick swinger that we were going to hit. Yep. Night of the Living Dead 1968 versus Night of the Living Dead 1990. Not only that, but we also have multiple segments throughout the show as well. Death Peddling is where we discuss current events going on in the world of horror, provided by MacabreDaily.com. Shoutouts. Woo woo. And sometimes news about us too. Horror Club is where we review a horror film book club style and we'll provide a bit of background before we give it a grading of pass, rent, or buy. This week, we take a look at Shaun of the Dead, baby. Hell, fucking yeah, we do. And then we get into our list of doom, where we discuss the episode's top five. This episode, our list is top five zombie movies. I cannot fucking wait oh, for yeah. that. Then we follow that with the horrors of gaming, where we talk about horror-related games. On this episode, we're discussing Resident Evil from the PlayStation and the legacy it has created. Then, we answer questions and read comments from you! In our segment called Our Cursed Ones. Finally, we close up shop for the episode, giving you our bloopers in a segment called Even the Dead Laugh. So let's get into it. 
death peddling, we begin the show by wetting your macabre loving black heart with news and events in the realm of horror that are important to the week we're recording. Also, every now and again, we'll have something to say regarding the host. But don't worry, it's not very often. We really hate talking about ourselves. Hello, I'm Gail Hailstorm, author of the book, You're Dead, I'm Rich. A small college town is in shock after the unthinkable has happened. A brutal killing spree that left one teen dead. That's it. Two teens dead, and this small town shaken and stirred. It's times like these. Police are combing the area for clues. It seems there are no witnesses available at this time. There are no suspects in custody. Police are asking anyone to come forward. Report live for Black TV. White folks are dead. We're getting the fuck out of here. Let's go, Jack. Let's go, motherfucker. And here we are with the first segment of our show. Um, I wanted to lead off and say this was originally episode 50, as we said in the overture. Um, Josh and I had a very lengthy discussion on what we wanted to do for 48, 49, and 50. And we we started talking about that before we hit, like, what, episode, like, 40? Yeah, it was, like, episode 38 or 39. So... So we've been sitting on this for a while. And um, this originally was just Night of the Living Dead versus Night of the Living Dead with Planet Terror Mm -hmm. and uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Um, But both of us were kind of feeling like that that wasn't the vibe. Like, Mm -hmm. we needed to have something that was going to stick. So we made an audible. So we called an audible literally, like, Friday, no Thursday night. Thursday this past night. Thursday, where mm-hmm. it was like I, I was like, you know what? Let me ask if Shaun of the Dead and Resident Evil would be good substitutes because I feel like those are like the pillars of zombies, like Night of the Living Dead, Shaun of the Dead, Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were doing a discussion that involved comics, we would fucking bring in a Walking Dead. Yeah, like th- those are your pillars I mean, of. Zombies. Night of the Living Dead is pretty much what started the zombie thing. Yeah, exactly. So, episode 49 is going to be a uh, very near and dear episode to us. Mm-hmm. Something that we teased earlier, mm-hmm. like in episode 20s and stuff like that. We actually got a, uh, a couple episodes ago, someone asked, like, Somebody what's asked up with that? With, yeah, so, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's going to be 49. And 50... 50 Fifty is gonna blow your fucking socks off because if that's our two year, right? Yeah, this actually today's our two year. Is it for real? Oh shit! Yeah, today's our two year. Really? Yes. Oh shit! Well, hey. Yes. High fives on that. High five. Happy anniversary. Uh, yeah, because remember we take four weeks off after after this crazy event that happens in October. Mm. Um, might be some hints about that in the blooper section. I don't know. Foreshadow. Foreshadowing. Uh, so yeah, we really. We really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, this is a love letter from us. Uh, as you heard at the beginning of the episode, uh, Neo Zodiac, mm-hmm. Joshua Wegner, gave us a foreword to our episode um, because he is... He he's like the person that I know. Like you say, I'm the WWE, mm. I'm the wrestling guy. He's the Night of the Living Dead guy. Okay. He loves George A. Romero, so that's why I was like, you know what, Neo Zodiac needs to do this. So hope everybody enjoyed that at the beginning of the episode. Um, 
So why don't we go ahead and get into our news from macabdaily.com. Shout outs. Shout outs. Uh, I chose to go with the longer articles this week. We seem to switch every two we weeks. We seem to switch every two weeks, yeah. So um, there really wasn't a lot of horror news to choose from that kind of happened from the last week because if you followed Horror Tube, we, Josh, read off like about four or five news articles. So that kind of caught us up yeah. with a lot that's going on in horror. And it's San Diego Comic-Con weekend, so... There's not much really in the way of horror going on it's right now. It's a bit now. of a dry spell for horror. Right. Moment. We did get the Exorcist uh, trailer that dropped with yeah. Oppenheimer mm-hmm. last night, but it still hasn't made its way to the internet. But uh, the first story that we're going to talk about um, is actually something that we're going to do in a future Horror Wars because, weirdly enough, uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors mm-hmm. would go great with this. Yep. But Return of the Living Dead reboot is on the way. It will expand the existing world. It doesn't take a genius to realize that zombies are still all the rage, even with the waning decline in viewers of shows like The Walking Dead or Z Nation. One film that has kept fans either enthralled for years in the zombie genre, however, has always been Dan O'Bannon's 1985 movie, The Return of the Living Dead and it ended up launching a franchise that to date includes five total movies. Sure, many people only acknowledge the first three, but trust us, there's five. If these zombie movies have taught us anything, it's that those pesky brain eaters aren't dead, they're just slow. 20 years slow if you count the 2005 sequel to Return of the Living Dead, which was the the last time this franchise was messed with. But never fear, a new take on the film might just be the, the great kick in the teeth for horror fans we need. The company Living Dead Media is behind the planned upcoming reboot, which has Steve Walsh, Muck, Kill Her Goats, attached to direct. According to the company's official site, the next installment in the Return of the Living Dead franchise will reboot rather than remake. Living Dead Media previews, our reboot of Return of the Living Dead will expand the existing world created by the original five films while staying true to the R-rated sci-fi horror dark comedy roots adored by fans of the cult classic around the world for the last 35 years. The company also notes on their official website, we are excited to resurrect the storied franchise for current fans and new generations of zombie fans. We're eager to see them eager to see them pull this off. We'll update you when we get more info by Samuel Santiago. <laughs> One of the coolest fucking names. One of the coolest fucking names. Ah, second news article is coming up, but lots to unpack there with that. Which is cool because we've used reboots before to yeah. match with the original song. Yeah, so I, the way that it, the article was written and the way that things are kind of talked, it sounds like it's going to be a reimagining of the first film yeah. by today's standards. So it, it's going to count as a remake because it's rebooting the franchise. Either way, definitely looking forward to it. Can't wait to do an episode of Horror Wars on it. Um, Samuel Santiago. And now for the second news story, which is... We're hopping into my realm. Josh's realm, 1,000%. Which is Lionsgate teases release date and Tobin Bell's return in Saw 10. Or Saw X. The Saw franchise is only... I'm sorry. Is one of only a few franchises to have persisted into its 10th film. And we now have a release date from Lionsgate on when to expect the 10th entry to hit theaters, as well as the first image of returning actor Tobin Bell reprising his role as John Kramer. Which, okay, so it's definitely a flashback movie. Which, um, <laughs> if you want to see the picture... Um, it's on macabre.com, right? 
It's on macabdaily.com, and it will be one of the pictures that we have um, for the uh, episode. For the pictures. episode, yeah, for the episode thing. Very nice. Yes. Uh, Saw 10, or Saw X, will be hitting theaters on September 29th, 2023, just in time for spooky season. Uh, the synopsis below will uh, will tell us about the, the, uh, the trailer and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, John Kramer, Tobin Bell is back. The most disturbing installment of the Saw franchise yet explores the untold chapter of Jigsaw's most personal game. Set between the events of Saw 1 and 2, okay, there we go, yep. a sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. Oh, Armed with a newfound purpose, the infamous serial killer returns to his work, turning the tables on the con artist in his signature visceral way through devious, deranged, and ingenious traps. By Matthew Orozco. Orozco. Okay. As a yeah. as a soft fan, I don't know. That's mm. weird. They're almost giving him like Liam Neeson kind of character vibes with being like, now it's a a weird like I'm gonna strap up and get ready to take on these. Movies. I'm gonna take on the wrongdoers. Yeah, like I don't know. Myself. It doesn't feel very Jigsaw esque. Yeah, it just sounds like a fucking vengeance movie. Yeah, it sounds yeah, it sounds more like they're turned into like an action film more than it a sounds horror. like Lady Vengeance. Yeah, it's weird. Or Old Boy, yeah. or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm gonna wait and see approach. Like you know, people you know if you listen to the show enough, you know I I, I love the Saw franchise even though I mm-hmm. know at a certain point it just turns into Dookie. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It kind of scares me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna wait and see. Yeah. I, I don't want to pass judgment yet. Same, but, but it sounds mm. not like a good direction. All right. Here's the other long one. Whole yeah, strap in, folks. He's got a lot to read. <sighs> Troma celebrates 50 years with new box set and 4K screenings. Love him or hate him, Troma is one of the most well-known and oldest independent film producers and distributors in the world. Proprietor Lloyd Kaufman has made a business out of the independent cult films that has given us amazing characters like the Toxic Avenger, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, Poultrygeist, and many more. It is also wild to think that Troma is turning 50, and what better way to celebrate with a brand new 4K UHD box set of the films that gave us New Jersey's first superhero. Troma Entertainment Inc. is the longest-running independent movie studio in North America. In addition to commercial success, Troma enjoys a wealth of critical appreciation exemplified by Troma retrospectives sponsored by the American Cinematheque, Cinematheque Francois, and British Film Institute, the American Film Institute, and many others. After creating a new kind of sexy comedy in the 70s and putting a new face on the superhero, superhuman hero in the 1980s with the Toxic Avenger, Truma continued to break new ground in the 90s and 2000s with quality, entertaining films. In recent years, Truma has emerged with such theatrical successes as Return to Newcomb High Volume 1, Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, and Eating Miss Campbell. The Tox Box is a brand new 4K restoration of the entire Toxic Avenger series, housed in an 8-disc box set with 4 hours of extras, special features, and commentary tracks, and includes a limited edition postcard. It will be available on August 29th and is currently up for pre-order on Amazon. Retroware Games is currently developing a retro beat-em-up video game based on the cult classic Toxic Crusaders series. It is set to release in 2024, and a demo is currently playable on Steam. Troma has partnered with Alamo Drafthouse to present a new 4K transfer of the Toxic Avenger in theaters around the United States. 
Select screenings will be accompanied by appearances by Lloyd Kaufman, as well as Toxic Avengers cosplayer, Tromets, and a raft of merchandise giveaways and contests. Throughout its 50-year history, Troma has pushed the boundaries of independent cinema, inspiring countless filmmakers and kickstarting the careers of bold new voices like James Gunn, Trey Parker, and Eli Roth. Troma's massive film catalog can be streamed on its very own subscription-based service, Troma Now. Many titles are also available in Peacock, Amazon Prime, Freebie, Tubi, Shutter, and more. The company is currently developing a fast streaming channel, which will feature a stream of hundreds of Troma classics. Shoo. By Matthew Orozco. Good job. Thank you very, very much. Nice much. I am excited. I love Troma. I know that we've had some hit or miss stuff mm-hmm. with them, you know, in Horror Wars, but, you know, with Mother's Day and mm-hmm. um, Mother's Day, uh, Taurus Trap, and a couple others. But all around, I love Troma. They yeah. are one of the biggest, they are the biggest independent cinema. They're New Jersey based. Are they for real? I don't know. Yeah, they are. They are. They're, they're middle New Jersey. Hmm. So yeah, fucking love them, man. I know we talked about them quite a bit. Through, Rep like them, throughout yeah. The, uh, throughout the episodes and yeah. stuff, yeah. So the creator of Final Destination invites you to Tilt Death, to us part. I was about to be do us part, and it threw me off. Right. So I said it weird. Uh, Hell hath no fury like death scorned. At least that's what the Final Destination series led us to believe. Writer producer Jeffrey Redrick. I'm sorry, Redick has uh, given us a lot of creative ways to die over the course of the series, and it seems that the it seems that I for Death is taking a look at the institution of marriage with Till Death Do Us Part. Uh, it should be Till Death Do Us Part. Weird. Huh. Uh, releasing August 4th, exclusively in theaters nationwide. Hey. Which I, I haven't even heard of this, so this Not is yet. news to me. No. Uh, from the creator of Final Destination and directed by Emmy Award winner Timothy Woodward Jr., <laughs> Uh, Till Death Do Us Part portrays the grim reality that not every romance story ends with happily ever after. After running away on her wedding day, sorry, uh, a bride-to-be must fight for survival against her former fiancé and his seven deadly groomsmen. This kind of reminds me of Scott Pilgrim, doesn't it? Scott Pilgrim, Snow White. Uh, In the ultimate horror showdown, the groomsmen soon discover that she has no intention of going back to the life she left behind. Brimming with stylish violence and blood-soaked action, Till Death Do Us Part seamlessly blends the slick kinetic thrills of John Wick with the oh dark, twisted revenge tale of Kill Bill. Okay. Okay. I'm, right. I'm hooked. You I'm, got me. I'm here for it. Uh, co-written by Chad Law, Blackwater, and Shane Dax Taylor, Isolation, So Death Do Us Part, also stars, oh my goodness, this is a French name, it's gotta be, Ser Darius Blaine, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, mm-hmm. D.Y. Sal, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I just heard about this film, too. Really? That, that one, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, Neb Chupin, awesome, awesome name. fucking name. Mind Cage Acceleration and Poncho Moeller, that's also awesome, cool. awesome name. Uh, three from he- <clears throat> from hell, excuse me, Jesus. Uh, the film is produced by Jeffrey Reddick, Final Destination, uh, Woodward Jr. slash Status Media and Entertainment, and Burn Born to Burn Films. Holy what shit, that's a tongue twister. Jesus Christ. Uh, Reddick and Woodward Jr. previously collaborated on the popular horror films The Final Wish and The Call. Both starring genre legend Lynn Shea. The film's executive producers include Matthew Helderman and Luke Taylor, with Thomas Mann and Neb Chubin acting as co-executive producers. By Matthew Oroz... Orozco. There you go. And Sorry, man, that's that, a hard last name. It's fine. We're used to doing Samuel Santiago yeah. on here. Like I said previously, I think it's because Samuel was traveling yeah. and Matthew was kind of like putting stuff up. I don't know if that's 100% 
case. Um, but, you know, sometimes Matthew does put mm-hmm. articles up, and this just so happened to be a Matthew-heavy episode. So, woohoo! <laughs> um, with that, uh, macabdaily.com. Go there for horror and sci-fi news, Halloween events, movie and book reviews, horror collectible updates, and so much more. They are the dark side of pop culture. Visit macabdaily.com today and every day. Woo! Booyakasha! The war, the reason everyone's here. This is the main segment of our show. We put a horror film against its remake. We go stat for stat, financials, facts, where to watch, synopsis, cast, and everything in between. Afterwards, we grade them both on a scorecard, we tally up those results, and we see who wins the day. Well, you used to really be scared here. Johnny! You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. He'll hear you. Here he comes now. I'm getting out of here. And welcome to the war. Hell yeah. As with every episode, we're going to tell you where we get all of our glorious information from. We source pieces from Wikipedia, IMDb, Just Watch, and Rotten Tomatoes. I can't fucking ever finish it. Mainly. Sometimes we have to dig a little deeper, but we shout out where we get that info from when applicable. Also, when we give the information on where to watch these films, please keep in mind that they might not be available in those services by the time you may listen to the episode. So please... Had to just watch for all your viewing needs. With that being said, let's break down how we go about scoring these movies to determine our winner. We go through the stats, the crew, the cast, the runtime, and everything in between to get our results. At the end, we discuss our reasoning for where we place the points and why in a series of 10 categories. Well, 11. I gotta, re- I gotta do that. They <laughs> are acting, directing, writing slash plot, killer or killers, casting, soundtrack, gore and kills, pacing, time period, environment, and finally, the ending. And as Lamont said in the intro of this segment, we tally up our individual scores, combine them, and the one with the highest score wins the day. And after that, we send it off to you and let you vote in our poll on Instagram after every episode is posted. And now that is out of the way, it's time for the war. Yeah. As becoming tradition, uh, we didn't we didn't pick who was going to do what. And this week, it's... it's mm. whew. I don't know, kind of even, in, in my opinion. Night of the Living Dead versus Night of the Living Dead. Is our, is our opus this week. If we didn't have Night of the Living Dead, we wouldn't have zombies, pretty right. much. So which one do you want to take? Do you want to take the OG, or do you want to take the remake? I, I don't care. <laughs> it does not... Hold on. Let, let's check out... Hold on. Uh, quick peek. Oh, God. Even the, the trivia is good. Uh, Everything's good for both, bro. It, it's... Flip a coin this week, man. I'll take OG. Fuck it. All right. So, as we discussed, the movie is Night of the Living Dead. With a runtime of an hour and 37 minutes. Right in that spot. The release date is October 1st, 1968. Uh, produced by Russell W. Striner and Carl Hardman. Uh, production company, Image 10. The budget was from about 114000 to 125000 US dollars. So they didn't have a budget for shit. Nope. And at the, holy fuck, and at the box office, it made $30,236,452. 
uh, U.S. dollars. Yep. Million, sorry. Oh, my gosh. That is fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, sorry, man. Uh, screenplay by John Russo and George A. Romero. Directed by George A. Romero. Cinematography by George A. Romero. Edited by George A. Romero. And the music by William Luce. Oh, you thought it was going to be George A. Romero. <laughs> Where to watch. <laughs> It's public domain. Literally everywhere. Every streaming service has it, including YouTube for free. Yeah, it's literally everywhere. in 10-minute segments on YouTube. Yeah, you can... Uh, well, no, the, the 1990 remake is in 10-minute segments. That one... Oh, I'm sorry. No, this one is... This one's is on, It's on Wikipedia, too. Yeah, it's just everywhere. That's what I, I meant to say. Yeah, yeah the remake is the 10-minute segments. Yeah, yeah, I'm segments. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. Because uh, the remake, you actually can't find you know. too many places. Anyway. Uh, the ratings. 7 point out of 10 on IMDb. IMDb. Uh, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hell yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. And 85% on Just Watch You, which is, mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of low. But Just Watch, Just Watch, I like their ratings because the 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 people that do the ratings on mm. Just Watch are, are just cinephiles. Yeah. Because Just Watch is a little bit more niche. It's like Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, they're the big dogs, you know? And so Letterboxd is a bit big, too. That's how come I kind of dropped Letterboxd, because I didn't want it to be, like, three huge names. I wanted to get something in there that was a little bit under the radar. Just Watch seems to have a lot of people that are, like, real cinephiles, and they really super critique shit. So that's why Just Watch's percentages always skew a little bit mm-hmm. lower to me, I think. So I just wanted to throw yeah. that in there, you know. Sorry. Uh, plot. Uh, a desperate group of individuals takes refuge in an abandoned house where corpses begin to leave the graveyard in search of human flesh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm only the chance of human flesh. I don't know why. Uh, the search of he- fresh human bodies to devour. No, I mean, you could have just kept the yeah. original one too. It's fine. Uh, the pragmatic Ben, with no last name in the movie at all. Nope. Uh, ben does his best to control the situation, and when the murder zombies surround the house and the other survivors begin to panic. It's funny they call them murder zombies because they, they do use, like, actual weapons. It's fucking yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, related media, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, mm-hmm. Day of the Dead, 1985, Land of the Dead, 2005, Survival of the Dead, 2009, and Twilight of the Dead, uh, to be determined. Yeah. Trivia. 45 more on IMDb. IMDb. Number one, this is one of the most profitable independent movies ever made. Made for one hundred fourteen thousand, equivalent to nine hundred forty-one thousand eight hundred dollars in twenty twenty-two. It grossed approximately thirty million, equivalent to two hundred forty-seven point eight million in twenty twenty-two. Over twenty, oh, I'm sorry, two hundred sixty-three times its budget. Holy fuck! Godly Bob Howdy. Wow. Number two, when discussing the film for Bravo's the one hundred scariest movies movie moments 2004 George A. Romero said that the moment they finished editing the film in Pittsburgh they put the reel into cans threw it into the trunk of a car and drove straight to New York City that night in hopes of having it screened at any willing theater holy shit yeah man my man hit the ground running uh number three George A. Romero saw very little profit from the film due to his lack of knowledge regarding distribution deals the distributors walked away with practically all the profits that is fucked yep number four the U.S. movie rating system was instituted on November 1st, 1968. This film, released on October 1st, 1968, is one of the last films released in the U.S. without a rating. Yep. Well, shit. Number five. When the zombies are eating the bodies in the burnt-out truck, they are actually eating roast ham covered in chocolate sauce. The filmmakers <laughs> joked that it was so nause- nausea-inducing 
that it was almost a waste of time putting the makeup on the zombies as they ended up looking pale and sick anyway. <laughs> That's fucking disgusting. Ugh. Number six, the house used for this film was loaned to the filmmakers by the owner who planned to demolish it anyway. When the production company came across the farmhouse location, George A. Romero jokingly stated, well, we can do that for you. The production had to be had to completely clean up the farmhouse to make it appear livable. John A. Russo notes the kitchen was the first they cleaned, as they felt a clean place to have lunch was the most important factor to have for having a uh, a workable set. Mm-hmm. Number seven, the character of Ben was originally supposed to be a crude but resourceful truck driver with no specification to race. After Dwayne Jones, in real life, a self serious. How the fuck do you say it? erudite? I have no. I've never seen that word before. Erudite academic auditioned for the part. Director and co-writer George A. Romero rewrote the part to fit his performance. I've never seen that word. Have you? Me neither. <laughs> what the fuck? If we pronounce that wrong, our bad. We're apparently not academics. Not to use them big old words. <laughs> them big old words. Number nine. The word zombie is never used. The most common Ow. euphemism used to describe the living dead is those things, mostly by Cooper. Other characters uh, refer to the creature as ghouls and flesh eaters. However, the film codified many tropes about zombies that have been used in many movies since, including zombies eating human flesh, and the zombies can only be killed by shooting them in the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number 10. George A. Romero chose Evans City Cemetery for the first scene due, to, due largely to its isolated location. The crew didn't want to be interrupted by onlookers or police inquiring about their presence. The cemetery on top of a hill in a heavily wooded area allowed them privacy. Ironically, it became a popular tourist attraction and fan destination in the decades since its release. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, cast, Dwayne Jones as Ben, Judith Odea as Barbara, Carl Hardman as Harry Cooper, Marilyn Eastman as Helen Cooper slash cool, Keith Wade as Tom, Judith R- uh, Ridley as Judy. That's cool. She got the basic name. Yeah. Uh, Kira Sean as Karen Cooper, Charles Craig as TV newscaster slash ghoul, Bill Hinsman as TV, uh, as a graveyard ghoul, uh, George Kosana, yeah, as Sheriff Nick Cleland, Russell Striner, uncredited as Johnny, Bill Chili Billy Car- Cardill as himself, <laughs> Steve Hutsko as Steve, got to keep his name, mm-hmm. and Frank Doak as Dr. Grimes. Hell yeah. Also, a fun fact that I, I discovered myself while watching and researching is that most of the people that were like the crew and stuff were also in the film mm-hmm. so they could save cost on cast. On cast, yep. Yep. All right. Now we're going into the remake, which is heralded as one of the best remakes of all time. Um, Night of the Living Dead, runtime one hour and 36 minutes. Release date, October 19th, 1990. Produced by John A. Russo and Russell Striner. Production companies were 21st Century Film Corporation and Menahem Golan Productions. Budget was 4.2 million USD. Box office was only 5.8 million USD. Screenplay by George A. Romero, directed by Tom Savini. Cinematography by Frank Prinzi, edited by Tom Dubunsky, and music by Paul McCullough. Where to watch? Currently, you're able to watch Night of the Living Dead streaming on MGM Plus with subscription. It is also possible to rent or buy Night of the Living Dead digitally on Apple TV, Amazon Video, Google Play Movies, YouTube, Microsoft Store, Redbox, DirecTV, AMC On Demand, and Vudu. Ratings. 6.8 out of 10 on MDBDBA. Awfully low. Awfully low. 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
75% on Just Watch It Do. Plot. As the recently dead return to life from an unknown cause and attack at the up oh, and attack the living as their prey, one woman escapes the frightening zombies to take refuge with others in a farmhouse as every cadaver for miles around hungers for their flesh. Will they make it through the night that the dead came back to life? Related media, Dawn of the Dead 2004. Because mm. despite banger, right? Despite all of these movies that are like Dawn of the Dead 2, Day of the Dead, Requiem, da 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 da, da they are not officially George A. Romero or of the George Dead. A. Romero family sanctioned remakes. These are Animation of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead 3D, the one with Sid Haig, all those movies, any of them, are not sanctioned by George A. Romero or his family. So, therefore, the only related media to the Night of the Living Dead remake is the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. And the only related media to the original Night of the Living Dead are the ones that you read previously. Yep. Nothing else belongs to this franchise except for these movies that we are talking about today. So if you get offended or butthurt or whatever because things weren't mentioned, sorry, this is George A. Romero's baby and we're going with what's officially sanctioned by George A. Romero. <laughs> like, this ain't the Amityville horror where there's 9,000 fucking things <laughs> and the franchise nobody gives a fuck about. Nah. This is this is the Living Dead franchise, so we gonna put some respect on that name around these parts. <laughs> um, trivia: There's 44 more on Imdb, which there was 45 for the original. I, I don't think I said Dead. that. Oh no! I don't think I said how many more there were on IMDb. So my oh, bad. So okay. I think. <laughs> Very similar trivia on Imdb, and also the movies are like one minute apart from each other. Mm-hmm. The original one's like one hour and 36. This one's like one hour and 37. So, or 1 hour 36 and 1 hour and 37. Some shit like that. Yeah. Either way. Number one. Um, Tom Savini originally wanted to start the film in black and white and then slowly add color. I feel Number like that would have been weird. That would have been weird. Number two. At one point in the film, the female zombie can be seen walking through a field with the house in the background. This zombie hears the banging from the humans in the house trying to board up the windows and is attracted to the noise. So she turns and begins staggering to the house. This woman actually owned the house in real life. The producers wanted to use the house in the film and agreed to give the woman a small acting part in exchange. Number three. The Mercedes driven by Johnny at the beginning of the film was owned by Tom Savini. According to the director, it was the first car he ever bought after meeting with success and it broke his heart to excuse me, wreck it during filming. Wow, he actually wrecked that shit for real? That's yep. depressing. The Magruder zombie was a man that director Tom Savini saw in a diner and told him that he would make a great zombie. The man agreed. He showed up to all of the premieres. <laughs> Number five. Columbia Pictures, who distributed this film, nearly distributed the original Night of the Living Dead in 1968. They had requested of the original that the producers change the bleak ending to a more upbeat ending before they distributed it. When the filmmakers refused to make the requested changes, Columbia decided to pass. That doesn't come back in my things later on in the episode. Number six. Director Tom Savini has known Patricia Tallman since they went to college together. He chose to cast her because of her strong-willed demeanor. 
He pushed hard with the producers to make Barbara the survivor and an action heroine. One of the best changes, like making her like, you know, not catatonic for the whole fucking film with like how the original was. Number seven, Tony Todd's first horror Sheesh. film. The legend himself. What a fucking first film. Right. Dude put in work. Dude put in fucking work. Number eight, to avoid an X rating, Savini had to cut several scenes from the film. Savini attributed the film's lack of popularity among horror fans to these cuts. A Blu-ray version was released in a limited edition of 3000 in October 2012 by Twilight Time. Australian film distributor Umbrella Entertainment, huh, that's fucking weird, um, <laughs> released a special edition of the film featuring a restored print alongside the 1968 original on Blu-ray in April 2016. Number nine. The character of Tom, played by William Butler, wears a t-shirt with the Iron City beer logo on the front. This is the same drink consumed in the original Dawn of the Dead 1978 by the Redneck Militia, and is also the same brand of beer that George A. Romero's production company, The Latent Image, had produced a commercial for during their early years. Number 10, Savini said that only 40% of his ideas made it into the final film. No, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Cast. Tony Todd has been. Patricia Tallman as Barbara Todd. Tom Towles as Harry Cooper. McKee Anderson as Helen Cooper. William Butler as Tom Bittner. Katie Finneran as Judy Rose Larson. Bill Mosley as Johnny Todd. Heather Mazur as Sarah Cooper. Russell Striner as Sheriff McLeland. Uncredited. Striner plays Johnny in the original film. Bud Koffler as Zombie Hunter. Greg Funk as Cemetery Zombie. Pat Logan as Uncle Reg, Albert Shellhammer, that's a fucking dope name, yeah, a cool name. as Cousin Satchel, and Bill, Chili Billy, Cardile as himself, reprising his role from the original in a cameo appearance as the TV news reporter. Super dope. Very good film. Very good film. Um, why don't we just hop right into the, the, the scores, because... We're going to be talking about this, I think, for a little bit. So, acting. I gave to the remake, because it was a killer performance, man. I, I get that, you know, the original was the Pioneers, and that was... And don't get me wrong. The acting in the, in the original isn't bad. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Dwayne, the original Ben. Insanely mm -hmm. good. I know he was a yeah. theater actor. Yeah, super fucking amazing. And I believe the wife was, too. But yeah. really good acting, but I just feel like... The, the remake is way stronger. Right. Um, I also went with acting for the remake. Pretty much for everything that you said. Ben was probably the strongest actor from the original. Mm -hmm. And I'm not discrediting Tony Todd at fucking all. Same. But if there was one thing that I would do is I would put Dwayne in Tony Todd's role. Mm -hmm. Still keep him Ben. And honestly, just have Tony Todd be someone else, and just keep him whatever. Yeah, and then that would be my 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 yeah. Night of the Living Dead right there for me. Like, I also prefer the the remakes, Barbara. I, I prefer right. her being you know fighting back instead right. of just being scared the whole time. Right. And even um, wait, fuck. I, go on with your thing. I'm gonna bring up a point too. Oh, that was pretty much what I was gonna say. I was gonna go right into directing. Okay. So if you want to bring something up, I'll some time no I was just gonna say um, I think Romero said one time in an interview that he actually fell into the trope of the damsel in distress for Barbara 
And that's yeah. the one thing he said he regretted yeah. for doing the original. Yeah. So, yeah. So good on them for changing that. Mm-hmm. Directing. I actually kind of, I gave it to the original. Just because the way, the, the remake to me felt like boarding up Windows Simulator for a majority mm. of it. Like when we kind of got Duty zombies. Yeah, we got into like more of the infighting and then getting to the gas station and all that kind of stuff, or the gas pump and all that. A little better for me in the original. Yeah. Because again, most of the remake to me in for most scenes, at least from what I remember, is them boarding up, fucking hammering doors shut and shit like that. Right, and it's pretty much a beat for beat remake. Yeah. Of the original one. Uh, but I just noticed a lot more boarding up windows. Yeah. In the remake. Yeah. So. Um, more franticness in the remake. Yeah. The directing for me was also OJ. Oh, re- oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, George A. Romero. George A. Romero. Mm-hmm. I I love Tom Savini. I fucking love Tom Savini. Shout out to Tom Savini. Shout out to one of the greatest, one of the top two greatest, in my opinion, visual effects mm-hmm. artists. One hundred percent. Um. I forget the guy's name that does the stuff for the Alien movies, um, but right there, those two are like mm-hmm. top tier. Agreed. Um, the... But, but him in a directing capacity, uh, even he, he's got he's strong, but George A. Romero. George A. Romero, yeah. Um, writing slash plot. That's tough because it is pretty much not a copy and paste but beat for beat the same movie i gave it to the original just because it's the original it it's it literally we wouldn't have the zombie shit right if it wasn't um i gave it to the original because it really attacked racism like big time yeah it super attacked racism especially around that time yeah george a romero did not shy Mm -hmm. and out of that he created single-handedly one of the most highest-grossing independent horror movies of all time. You know? Did the remake get as much commercial success? No. But that also came out at a time where the vocal majority was, fuck a remake. What do you mean a remake? What's a remake? You know what I mean? Now, it's so par for the course it's so the norm now we kind of expect remakes of movies we now. expect them but back in 1990 mm-hmm. you, you're remaking a movie that's only 22 years mm-hmm. old what the fuck they haven't remake gone to the wind what are you talking about a zombie Holy movie shit. what the fuck are you talking about a zombie yeah. movie what the fuck and this was back when zombies weren't even popular yet like they weren't even the norm yeah. yep. so you remake a beloved film from 1968 in 1990, you're not going to get anywhere near the amount of success that, that you should get. But um, so that's why I chose the direct, the writing slash plot for you know the OG as well. So far, we are it's the same. The same. But I have a feeling this is probably where we're going to diverge. <clears throat> Killer or killers? I gave it to the remake because they just look better as zombies. And overall, you have uh, Thomasini doing his thing giving us our zombie and I like it because it was grotesque zombies normal zombies someone that looks like they just turned the the one that I always remember is um, Ben Tony Todd version when he goes in the front yard and that one zombie's legs are twisted yeah and all that kind of shit love it yeah um I also 
love the zombies from Night of the Living Dead remake, but I went with the OG. The pale. The pale, the, the girl zombie with the fucking intestine coming out of her mouth is always Blech. iconic to me. I, that's, when, when you think of like zombie movies not in the horror world, mm. like Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies went with kind of the look that the original Night of the Living Dead had for their zombies. Mm -hmm. A lot of movies or shows or iZombies, stuff yeah. like that, they go with that kind of commercial look of a zombie. And I don't know. Something about that is, like, endearing to me. Okay. So that's why I went with that, you know. Um, but do I respect the fuck out of the remake zombies? 1,000%. Do I agree with you? 1,000%. Um cast uh, I went with the remake it's just yeah. it's too good yeah I also went with remake um, soundtrack I gave to remake because a lot of the original soundtrack was like stock audio yep like it was it didn't have a um, yep. copyright claim or nothing so I just prefer remake it seemed more you know spooky yeah it I, better. I also went with remake for the soundtrack um Gore slash kills. I gave to remake. Yep, but the the kills and the 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 OG aren't bad. No, they're not. For nineteen sixty eight, no, they're not. But if we're talking about gore slash kills, the very first one in the 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 remake of falling onto the um the tombstone and he yep. cracks his head. Yep. That looked like the, the yep. actor really felt. I was like, holy shit! Oh my god! Yeah, I, I like had to pause it and be like, oh, okay, that's the a body upstairs. Yeah, all that. No, I'm sorry. The gore and the kills. Tom Savini and, is just yeah. Tom Savini is just there. Perfect pacing. I gave to OG, but it was because I just had to pick one because we can't tie. And right. I just felt like it was just a little better. A little bit better. Get into the, the point. Original. Get I, into, like, the gas station all that kind of shit. I also picked OG for that <laughs> because pretty much the same reasons. Um, time period. OG, come on now. Like we said, it yep. fit that, that time, and it was a, sh a culture shock pretty much. So far, the only thing that we have said different has been the killers. <laughs> Everything else has literally been the fucking same. Um, environment. I gave it to OG. Because it fits Ooh, in with time period for me. I just said it, and then we changed. Yeah. I gave it to the remake because okay. I just feel like the environment of the new one, the remake, I should say, that war-torn era kind of feels more prolific to me. I, I know, like I said earlier, I enjoy the writing from the original one because it attacked racism so boldly. I think this one really made a emphasis on kind of like war and the, okay. the horrors of war. Okay. So I believe the environment for the 1990s with Desert Storm happening, with everything going on, I feel like it fit that time period for that one. But also the argument could be made for the racism in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. Both environments are equally looked at. So I'm not taking anything away from the original one at all. This was a very hard decision for me to make. Yeah. Um, and then that leads us to the ending. I gave it to the original because downer ending. Insane downer ending. I know the remake has one, but at least, spoiler for a pretty old fucking movie, 
at least one of the main protagonists in the remake survives. The remake literally and it's so fucked up. The remake literally feels like a Terminator ending to yeah, me. Yep. Because she's surveying everything. She's like, the survivors went on to do this. Yeah. Another so, one for the pile. Yeah. I I love the ending to the OG because everybody fucking dies. It is a downer. And and they don't give a, they shot everybody. Nope. They didn't give a fuck. Nope. And they all died. They were either they turned or they were killed. Nope. It didn't fucking Super matter. Super downer. Super downer. And yeah, uh, 1000% give that to the OG. So for your OG, what was your final tally? Uh, six points to OG and five points to the remake. Wow. Wow. Are we reversed? No, we are literally six points and five points, but because of my one being over on one side and your mm-hmm. one being on this side, it evened us out, so it's twelve to ten. Oh shit! Original one oh, by two fucking shit. points. Holy shit! That's how close it was. That is a fucking battle. Mm-hmm. Literally, no disrespect to either yep. of these movies. Either of these movies could have won this week. That that is that is a fucking battle and a half mm. right there. Um, yeah, I'm super. I'm super happy with my picks, my choices. It was difficult. It was hard. Both are really good films. Yeah. So if we were gonna do this horror club style, it would definitely be buy for both mm -hmm. of them. Definitely Um, watch both. Yeah. These movies. These movies need their flowers. Uh, They've always had their flowers, and I'm glad that we finally got a chance to cover them. And I hope we did it justice. Um, They deserve all the love they get. Yeah. So we're gonna now throw this over to y'all on the poll. Whew. I um I don't envy you guys, gals, and non-binary pals this week. Not at all. Get that yes. poll popping. <laughs> the wool is done. Horror Club. Each episode, we pick a film that complements the war. We then review it under a series of categories and ultimately tell you whether we think you should pass, rent, or buy. Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! Cap, it is vital that you stay in your homes, make no attempt to reach loved ones, and avoid all physical contact with the assailants. You believe everything you hear on TV? It's time to cozy up with uh, Horror Club. Where we sit down and we review a horror movie book club style. So, uh, get next to the fire, get yourself a scotch. <laughs> Jesus. Light a cigarette or a cigar or some bud. Put on some, uh, ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> ASMR while listening to us. <laughs> while listening to us, yeah. This is a special horror club. Oh, yeah. This whole episode is special. This movie takes me back. Yeah. This yeah. is one of the, again, this is in my my category of uh, horror films that were like my introduction into the horror right. world right. growing up. Right. And this is also one of those movies that proves horror can be anything. Mm-hmm. Horror can be anything. It can uh, be comedy. Horror, it can be action. Done right. yep. A horror comedy done right. Yep. That is Shaun of the Dead. 
Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Release date September 24th, 2004, with a runtime of one hour and 37 minutes, right in the same time as our Night of the Living Dead movies. Yep. One hour 36, one hour 37. Budget of 6.1 million USD with a box office of 30 million Very USD. Nice. Woo! Production company Studio Canal, WT Squared Productions, and Big Talk Productions. Produced by Nina, or Nira Park. Screenplay by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Directed by Edgar Wright. Cinematography by David M. Dunlap. Edited by Chris Dickens. Hell of a fucking name. <laughs> Music by Pete Woodhead. Hell awesome. of a name. Oh, cool name. Hell yeah. And Daniel Mudford. My name is Mud. Bloom, 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 bloom. The plot. Sean is a 30-something loser with a dull, easy existence. When he's not working at the electronics store, he lives with his slovenly best friend, Ed. Slovenly, I Slovenly. Think. I've yes. never heard that, seen is, that word either. That is sloth-like. Okay. Uh, in a small flat on the outskirts of London, the only unpredict—the uh, only unpredictable element in his life is his girlfriend Liz, who wishes desperately for Sean to grow up and be a man. When the town is inexplicably overrun with zombies, Sean must rise to the occasion and protect both Liz and his mother. Hell yeah, he does. Um, also, for those that don't know, a flat is an apartment in the UK. In the UK. Starring Simon Pegg as Sean, Nick Frost as Ed, Kate Ashfield as Liz, Lucy Davis as Diane, Dylan Moran as David, Penelope Wilton as Barbara, Bill Nighy as Philip, Jessica Stevenson as Yvonne, Peter Serafinovitz as Pete, you lucky bastard, Raph or Raffi Spall as Noel, Martin Freeman as Declan. I've always loved the name Declan. It's such a cool fucking name. Reese Shearsmith as Mark. Tamson Grieg as Maggie. Julia Deacon as Yvonne's mum. Matt Lucas as Cousin Tom. Could you imagine if somebody was Deacon Declan? That sounded like a superhero name. <laughs> right. Uh, must read film fact. George A. Romero, creator of the movies to which this movie pays homage in Lampoons, was so impressed with Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's work that he asked them to cameo in Land of the Dead 2005 as zombies. That's fucking cool. And we bring it full fucking circle. Whew. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. You got some red on you. Got some red on you. That's acting. What can I say for British comedy, bro? That was also my introduction to, like, British comedy. Oh, really? And I, yeah, I fucking... I like the acting in that movie. Hell yeah. It does. It's not over-the-top hammy. It could be comparable with, like, the you know, the first two scary movies. It, right. was, it still right. got horror into it, but, of course, it it's not as, you know, over-the-top as scary movie was, but it's still funny. And the acting... Dude, I said this outside pre-podcast. The acting is so good that this is the first horror film that made me cry. Yeah. Yeah, you did so, say that. Um, my introduction to British comedy was Monty Python and the Flying Circus. Well, Monty Python, Python's Flying Circus. Vastly different. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What What can you really say about the acting in this movie? The beginning of it. So deadpan. So fucking fixated. That whole sweeping of the area while everything's going crazy and Sean just doesn't pay attention and he's going for fucking milk and he doesn't notice the world around him and all that like 
Come on, that was some seriously good shit right there. One of the one of the better openings to a horror film yeah. too. Yeah, um, that leads to the directing. I mean, it was good. It was, it was, it was simple. Their end goal was get back to the Winchester for a point after yeah. he saves all his friends and shit. Yeah, and they get from the uh, the flat to the bar by the end, and it's it's perfect. It's to yep. the point. Mm, saves it. everybody along the way, mm-hmm. and then it all uh, just falls all apart. Just falls but, apart. Hey. Yep. Rating slash plot. I would say a, a good different take on a zombie invasion, yeah. pretty much. Like you yeah. said, you get to kind of see humans being zombies, you know, to their work yep. and shit like that. Mundane shit. Yep. And then, like you said, when it finally switches to that apocalypse kind of shit, he doesn't notice because it just feels like everyday Every bullshit. day, yeah. So it, it's good, man. Um, the killers. The Surprisingly zombies. good. The, the yep. zombies were funny. Yep. But they were also scary as shit towards the end of the film. It, it was perfect. It, it's almost as if the zombies became aware mm-hmm. that their numbers mm-hmm. could do serious damage. Because when they're getting fucking records pinged off their heads yep. and they're joking about them, if you notice the progression of the movie... They become a lot more... Like, they become a lot more animalistic. Yeah, and, more and And the humans become more afraid of mm-hmm. them. They're taking them kind of as a joke at the yep. beginning mm-hmm. because they're so slow and they can outrun them and they can do this. But as their numbers multiply and they start really closing in until you get to the final moments of the Winchester, mm-hmm. like you feel that oppression build. And it's that undercurrent that makes it a horror movie yep. at its core, mm-hmm. you know, um, super fucking amazing. That that little attention to detail right there is fucking epic, completely epic. Agreed. Um Casting, amazing cast. I mean, as a matter of fact, I never, I didn't even know who Simon Pegg or fucking Nick Frost was at all. Right. Never knew. Right. Amazing. And the rest of the cast, again, I don't know many UK act actors and actresses and stuff. Right. But I gotta say, pretty fucking good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I. Again, this isn't like anything like oh Rob knows blah blah blah. I grew up with a lot of British stuff. Mm. I you know Red Dwarf, uh, Doctor Who, all that. So I know a lot of British actors, Ab Fab, so many different things because my stepdad watched a lot mm-hmm. of that type of stuff. So I do know a lot of these people and they are fucking killer in this movie. So the casting was absolutely amazing. Soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. As a matter of fact, <laughs> this soundtrack, now I'm, I'm sure, you know, growing up my parents probably had played a bunch of Queen music. And yeah, stuff like hell yeah. That. But I never really paid attention to it. So when I watched this and it was the don't stop, stop me now, now and they're beating the shit out of the yes. zombie with the pool cue. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in any like films in general. I fucking love it. Yeah, soundtrack, top fucking Fantastic. notch. Top notch soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Gore slash kills. Surprisingly gory. Yeah. Like one yeah. of the one of them in a spoiler for an old ass film. Uh, one of the dudes gets his guts ripped out of his stomach yep. and he's still alive and screaming and that is some intense ass shit yep. Yep. for something that came off as a joke character and then seeing something horrific happen to this character yep. is fucking insane so, so speaking of that this is our two year anniversary mm-hmm. this is also the 20th anniversary of them filming Shaun of the Dead it doesn't come out until 2004 mm-hmm. but it was being filmed in 2003 yeah. So, at this time period in 2003, they were filming Shaun of the Dead. Very nice. So, we've also got 
the 20 year anniversary of Shaun of the Dead while this is our two year anniversary. And then we also have another anniversary mm-hmm. with the video game section that we're all celebrating right here at this little oh, time yes. period. So this is a really cool fucking episode. Anyway, so yeah, gore kills. Uh, come on, even though it's a comedy movie, there was so many fucking amazing things in this movie that they did, uh, like you said, surprisingly gory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that he kept him at the end and all that stuff. Like, it just... God, I love this fucking movie. It's definitely good. Pacing. <laughs> you already right, said it. It fits right into that that perfect time for us. Yep. And it gets from point A to the end yep. of the fucking movie. Yep. Smashingly, mate. Smashingly. Jay. Jay, cheers. They also almost kind of made it seem like they were going to do a part two. Yes. In a sense. Because, because of the way that it ended. Because, like, the zombies, they kind of were using to, like, be, like, you know, um, like, pushing uh, carts at, like, a grocery yeah. store and shit. Yeah. Me and my cousin were actually talking about this. Shout out to Jen. Um, I would, like, I don't need a sequel to Shaun of the Dead. I would like what they did to E.T. A few years ago, they released this commercial uh, during the Super Bowl. It was like a four-minute commercial for Comcast and mm. then like a couple other things. But it was to show how the world had changed since the 80s. Mm. And they had E.T. come home. Like, E.T. came back. And he visited everybody. He saw that they had kids now, this and that. Hung out for fucking Christmas. And then went back home to his family. Okay. I would like to see... If we can't have a sequel to movies, I would love to see like five minute yeah. drop ins to see how that world's going right now. And this is one of those worlds. I really wish that we could see how the world of Shaun of the Dead looks like in 2023. Cool. You know, um, because it's such a beloved movie, I, I think everybody just wants to kind of revisit it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, all in all, definitely pass runner it. by. Bye. You gotta Bye. see it. it it's you a gotta, good film. It's Shaun of the Dead. It's fucking amazing. And if you can, if you can, like, look, if you're straight edge, fine. Watch it without any type of inebriation, but watch this movie high. This is like a perfect fucking stoner comedy. It's funny as shit. It's funny as shit. It's serious. It's everything in between. It's fucking Shaun of the Dead. I don't really know what else more we can say about it. <laughs> Another fantastic scene. Yes. That was Shaun of the Dead. Bark up. <laughs> the List of Doom. Each episode, we pick a theme to go along with the rest of the show. It's a top five list of movies, characters, events, music, or anything in between. Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> it's the List of Doom. Hell fucking yes oh yes this is going to be a great list of doom another uh broad topic that we yep. kind of got to work with like when we did survival horror yep yep and i did that deliberately yep. because you know zombies as we've as we've said during this episode zombies have penetrated every form of media oh yeah big time every form of media they're in fucking shampoo commercials they're in fucking uh, serious shows, not serious shows, movies. Michael Jackson thriller. Michael Jackson. Zombies. Yeah, it's, come on. Zombies are everywhere. They're everything. 
there's candies, there's gummies, there's mm. this, there's that. So top five zombie movies is the wave this week. And I think we got some curveballs for each other because I deliberately went out of my comfort zone. You probably have more curveballs than I do. Ooh, maybe. Um, considering you've only got one honorable mention, yeah. I'll give my eight and seven. You can give your six, and I'll give my six. Okay. And then we'll break into our chills-inspired chills tap five. <laughs> <laughs> and as with everything else, as with the war, you know, our, our grading system, as with Horror Club, we do not know what each other have picked for our top five. And it's always exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's always exciting for the list of doom. Um, so I will say my number eight. Return of the Living Dead from 1985. Very nice. I just saw the movie for the first time earlier this year. It was always one of those movies that evaded me, that I've seen bits and pieces of, that I know everything. Just never watched it all the way through until earlier this year. I actually have the DVD for that shit. That's nice. how much I love that movie. Nice. And it's one of the first zombie films where the zombies focus solely on brains. Yep. Yep. Um... My number seven is Warm Bodies from 2013. I've never seen that, but I know what it is. It didn't really interest me. To be it's honest. romantic, nah. but it's also funny. Okay. Like, yeah. Which, again, zombies are everywhere. It's a Every fucking, fucking romance where. movie, mm -hmm. for God's sake. And with that, what is your number six? My number six is I Am Legend from Ooh. 2007, the Will Smith movie. Very nice. While not outright zombies, they are cannibalistic right. humans. Correct. They're just fucking. Correct. Kind of decaying, but yeah. I kind of see it as a spin on the zombie virus. Hey, that's perfectly fine. My number six is Resident Evil from 2002. Okay. Fair. Um, look, this movie was in a fight for its fucking life with my number five because that soundtrack to Resident oh. Evil, the stylistic action, yes, it was, it was based in a Resident Evil. They added a couple things. They changed a couple things. But all in all... Resident Evil from 2002 is the most accurate depiction that we will probably ever get of of a, of a Resident Evil movie. It feels like live a, action, a genuine Resident Evil. Yeah, film. because Welcome to Raccoon City was good, mm -hmm. but it felt weird. Like it, it I'm not going to say forced, but it was like, yeah. yeah, that's Leon, but that's not yeah. Leon. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's why Resident Evil just eats hey, out of my top five. Like, oh God, such a good fucking movie. With that, Josh, what's your uh, number five? Number five is Zombieland from two thousand nine. Ooh, that Ooh. is again amazing soundtrack. It's a good kind of comedy ish horror film. Yeah, and one of the. I like it because it's a little bit more realistic. You know yeah. what I mean? You yeah. actually go through the towns. It's not hordes of millions of zombies. You're just right. trying to survive. And Bill Murray. And Bill Murray. And, rest uh, in peace, Bill Murray. Rest in peace, Bill Murray. I mean, not like legitimately, in, but... In the movie. He, he survived so long mm -hmm. by pretending to be a zombie, and then they fucking made him a zombie. Fucking <laughs> <Like> assholes. <laughs> Double tap, baby. Cardio. Um, <laughs> my number five? Planet Terror 2007. Oh, shit. Yep. Machine gonna, gun leg. Gonna eat your brains, gonna gain your knowledge. Kurt Russell, Rose McGowan. Look, I know we didn't choose it for this movie, but there's gonna be other zombie movies like Train to Bassain they made mm -hmm. a fucking remake of, so we can we can put Planet Terror with Train to Bassain mm -hmm. if we want. Um 
phenomenal zombie movie. A little bit long in the tooth. It's it's a it's a couple hours. It's pretty long. It's pretty long, but the cast, the Fergie's plot, in it, isn't she? Fergie's in it. She's like Rose McGowan's girlfriend because they're like <laughs> cheating on Kurt Russell. Yep. Oh my god, it's just it's a great fucking movie. Uh, Robert Rodriguez. What can you say bad about him? Didn't that also get released with, uh, what was it, Death, Death Cab? Proof. Death, Death Proof. Proof. Yeah, yep. that's also a good yep. film. They were part of the Grindhouse collection. Yeah. They yep. were two movies, and now we're getting Thanks Killing out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Eli Roth movie, that little trailer yeah. where he was fucking the turkey. Oh, my God. We're getting a full-based movie off of that. Oh, and wow. we also got Machete out of it, too. So Machete, machete, machete yeah. was made out of it, too. So, hell yeah, Planet Terror, man, give that movie its fucking flowers. Yeah, I didn't know about the turkey thing. It's fucking yep. weird. Okay. What's your number four? My number four is Quarantine. Oh. We've, we've, I think we've discussed no, this. No, we're before. we're gonna be disqu- we're gonna be doing Quarantine and Rec okay. later on. Yeah. Which, uh, which and about like uh, Quarantine's the remake. Yeah, seven episodes from now or something like that. Because we had that list. Yeah. Hell yeah, though. No, dude, I I fucking respect that. Quarantine is such an underrated movie. I went to the theaters to see. Did that. you for real? Yeah. Yeah, a good shaky cam zombie yeah. film too. Yeah, there's not very many good shaky cam zombie films. Even George A. Romero tried it, mm. and Quarantine slash Wreck. Pretty fucking. Good. Pretty fucking good. Yeah. I can't wait till we get to that episode. Um, your number one's either gonna be Twenty Eight Days Later or Twenty Eight Weeks Later. <laughs> I just I have this feeling. No, no, that's gonna be number two. Dawn of the Dead's gonna be number one. Um, my number four, Zombieland, two thousand nine. Oh yeah, <laughs> one of the. That opening that, that look, film is so hard to not look, love. Now you understand why Resident Evil was number six. Yeah. Because it was a war between Zombieland and Planet Terror. Bro, those three, how the fuck? It was so hard. I literally sat there for almost an hour. I watched movie trailers. I watched <laughs> fucking like clips from the movies. I To choose between these fucking three movies to be where they needed to be. That's how hard this was for me. With that, what's your number three? My number three is The Return of the Living Dead from 1985. Hey. That is a film that my dad showed me. Okay. And that's what got me interested yep. in zombie movies. Yep. So, Burns. Why do you eat brains? Because it makes, makes the pain go, go away. away. <laughs> I love it. My number three, Paranorman from 2012. I forgot about that movie. Paranorman 2012. It is one of my favorite stop motion movies. Paranorman gets no fucking respect. Studio Laika is one of my favorite studios. Kubo and the Two Strings, Coraline, all them. Bro, top fucking notch studio. Um, So yeah, Paranorman number three. It wasn't even a toss up. My three, two, and one are my three, two, and one. It was the rest that were battling yeah. for where they needed to battle. With that being said, what's your number two? So here is where I, I don't think you're going to expect this. And semi-spoilers, but you're going to get what I mean. Number two is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Dude. From 2016. Autopsy, Autopsy of Jane Doe was going to go onto my list. It was. And I get it. One thousand percent. Do you want me to explain it to the listeners on kind of why? Because we always it's in our gems. It's in our yeah, but gems. but I think that the mystique 
of this okay. movie is because we always say gotta watch this yeah. movie gotta okay. do this and we did say that we wanted to do a horror too yeah, on yeah. it so I feel like we should just keep that mystique okay. going so because if you yeah. don't know about this movie you need to watch this fucking movie and you'll you'll understand what I mean when I say it's a zombie film yes because it's not but it is it is it is you'll, you'll, you guys will see all the guys gals non-binary pals spooky cues and hairies and homies everybody gets one well Josh gets one every episode he yeah. does one more I like to say it. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. My number two. Number two. Maggie from 2015. Oh, my gosh. That should have that, that definitely been, at least in my honorable <laughs> Look, mentions. I wanted to put Autopsy of Jane Doe at number two because of that twist, because of what we said. Our number two and number one were probably going to match. But I'm telling you... Maggie has to it's the the emotion that Beautiful that movie, movie evicts from people we've it's discussed visceral. in the yeah we it was it was a horror it was a horror club um fantastic film yeah please please check it out also in our hidden gem that's where I was gonna say autopsy of Jane Doe got knocked out by another hidden gem <laughs> um okay. it's fair and with that I already know your number one. I already know my number one. So let's just put these fucking cards down and let's just put it all on the table. Sir, what is your number one? Dawn of the Dead, Dead 2004. <laughs> High five. Look, it's one Look. of the best zombie films ever, <laughs> ever fucking, fucking made. made. I'm sorry. Look, Zack Snyder, uh, George A. Romero approved fuck off if you hate this movie i'm sorry no apologies yeah if you hate this movie please send me an email i don't give a fuck horror wars podcast gmail.com shoot us up on well not shoot us oh up but God, like hit us up on hit us up on instagram whatever dude the hate that some people have for the 2004 it dawn of the dead me. is unfucking believable such a good film such a good fucking movie everybody in that cast is absolutely top fucking tear that movie is so great yes it's a little bit long in the tooth yes i will i will say that you could probably shave about 10 minutes off of the movie the ending is a tad rushed the ending is a tad rushed especially for it to be such a longer movie plus the i do appreciate the downer ending though the soundtrack yep. all of it we the soundtrack we yep. talk about this yep. movie in so many episodes yeah. but yeah. dawn of the dead we even remake. did dawn of the dead versus dawn of the dead earlier you know before. Very early yeah. horror wars, which is surprise, which which surprised us that we never did Night of the Living Dead, and that yeah. was going to be our number fifty, and that's the reason yep. why Night of the Living Dead was originally going to be our fifty, because Dawn of the Dead was so early in mm-hmm. our our series infancy that we were like, how the fuck did we forget about Night of the Living yep. Dead? But um, as the show has progressed, you know, we've gotten further along with other movies, and we feel like forty nine and fifty are more appropriate. For what they are, but man, man, our top fives, dude. Hell yeah. It was definitely tough to not put in 28 Days Later and all that. And the fact we're getting 28 years later, too. Yeah, so. which, as we both agree, should be 28 months later first. Yep. But whatever, man. That, that was a hell of a fucking, that was a hell of a segment. God List damn. of doom. List of fucking doom. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Into the cards I gave you. Horrors of Gaming. Each episode, we pick a theme to go along with the rest of the show. It can be a list dissection or a game that stands out for us to discuss.
Chris Redfield. Jill Valentine. Barry Burton. Rebecca Chambers. Albert Wesker. Resident Evil. Welcome to the gaming portion of the show. The horrors of gaming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love our British accents for everything <laughs> that we do. It's fun to do. It is. Um, I know that I've had some outlandish like kind of names for the article. Well, for our our gaming portions, but this one I went with. You know, a the more a, the the truth. You know. Resident Evil, The Zombie Legacy. This is a beloved video game franchise. One of the best to ever do it. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, Josh, I know you had to delete like 30 paragraphs. I wrote so much. I wanted to write so much about the original Resident Evil from 1996. Nope. I was going to write like 10 pages. <laughs> and I was like, yep. no, no, no. This is this is one of Josh's favorite video game franchises, franchises. of all time. Yep. So with that being said, sir, I give upon to you your child of an article piece. Thank you. <laughs> Since the late 90s, the number one game people think of when it comes to survival horror is Resident Evil. One of the largest franchises in video game history, Resident Evil was released on PlayStation in Japan on March 22nd, 1996, then released in America on March 30th, 1996, and released to the rest of the world on August 1st, 1996. It was then ported to the Sega Saturn in 1997, and then ported to the Nintendo DS in 2006. Mm -hmm. The game is so popular that it has been remade twice. The first time it was remade, it was for the Nintendo GameCube in 2002, which came with a complete overhaul of graphics, reimagining of the mansion, underground lab, and the areas outside the mansion that you were not able to explore in the 1996 version. And then the re-remake was made for other consoles in 2014. Resident Evil is played in the style of a third-person, fixed-camera angle style of game, with the motion controls under the category of tank controls, which isn't used much in modern games now. Tank controls are when the controller, uh, when the control of the player's movements is relevant to the position of the character rather than the perspective of the game's camera. The camera angles and tank controls remained in the re in the remakes of Resident Evil, but the remakes give the option to change the tank control setting to the more modern settings that we have with video games now. Resident Evil lets you choose to play either Jill Valentine or Chris Redfield, two members of a special force. Uh, special law enforcement task force known as STARS. STARS. Or spectral, spectral, Special Tactics and Rescue Service. And they are part of the Alpha Team, mm -hmm. which is like actually a plot point in the game. That's mm -hmm. why I made sure I wrote that. Yep, of course. Uh, Jill and Chris both have in-game difficulties added to whichever character you, play, you pick. Playing Jill is considered easy mode and playing Chris is considered hard mode. The reason these two characters are considered to be hard and easy modes is because both playthroughs have different in-game scenarios, different ways to fight bosses, items to find, different characters, and four different endings for both the Jill and Chris, giving us eight in total. Mm. Holy wow. shit. Holy asshole. Um, 
Jill is considered easy mode because she has two more inventory slots than Chris. She also has a lockpick that makes some doors much easier to get into than Chris can. If you ever heard someone be called the master of unlocking, that actually comes from this game. And the person who says that is Barry Burton, another member of the Stars Alpha Team, who helps Jill on her journey through the mansion. Barry also makes Jill's story easier as he helps Jill fight in some portions of the game and even saves her from becoming a Jill sandwich. <laughs> the only negative side to playing Jill is she has less health than Chris does. Chris, on the other hand, is considered the harder story to play through because he has two less inventory spaces than Jill and no lockpick. Chris also has another character in his story as well. Her name is Rebecca Chambers. She is a medic and a member of Star's Bravo team and can heal Chris a select number of times, but other than that, she really doesn't help Chris as much as Barry helps Jill throughout the game. Uh, Resident Evil Original does have a large cast of members of the Alpha team and Bravo teams of Star's, but we won't reveal what happens to the other members of the Alpha and Bravo teams. You have a limited amount of weapons and ammo in the game, so use it sparingly. Consider running from some fights if you have to. Your health is reliant on first aid sprays and different herbs found throughout the game. So let's grab our gear and head into the Raccoon City Forest and survive the zombie-infested halls of the Spencer Mansion. Fuck yeah, man. I could talk about this game for hours. This franchise. Even longer. Even longer. I think there's like 28 to 30-some games now. Yeah, it's fucking There are crazy. ones on the DS, Game Boy Advance. Yep, the Wii, the Wii U. Wii Resident Wii U. Evil 4 has been remade like 17 times now. The, that's well, why remastered and then remade. Yeah. The, the very first game, it really did get a bunch of remakes, remasters. Yep. I remember that game actually made me the remaster of the original on GameCube made me want a GameCube. I'm yeah. never I'm not a big Nintendo fan, but yeah. that actually made me want to buy a GameCube and to get that. The remake of Resident Evil came then they did Resident Evil 0, Ugh. which told the story before Resident Evil and then they fucking had the exclusive to Resident Evil 4 for like a year. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 was only on GameCube and Resident oh. Evil 0 I fucking hate because it doesn't make any sense and whatever that could be a completely different episode right don't get me started i actually still have the steelbook collector's edition of resident evil 4 for the game very nice yeah um so much i could say about this one of, like it's got bad good voice acting the oh, 1996 course. version yeah. wow jill you were almost a jill sandwich <laughs> theory where have you been look but fantastic stuff it's it's Resident Evil, man. It's one of the forefathers of gaming, in a sense, if you want to put it in that category, because it kind of led to zombies being in video yeah. games. Yeah. Um, you've got Doom for first-person shooters. You've got mm -hmm. Resident Evil for tank. You've got... There's, there's so many key games that have come along that are in the horror genre mm -hmm. um, that have made it mainstream. Yep. So... Resident Evil is definitely one of those fucking games that has stood the test of time. Um, Resident Evil, even now, people are still making mods for those games to give yeah. them new storylines yeah. and randomizers for the games yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, Speedrunning is a huge part of gaming community, and there are plenty of high-end streamers that speedrun Resident Evil. Yep. And Resident Evil 1 to all of them. Yep. So, um, yeah. I'll never forget, I had a... PlayStation Square, you know, rectangle. Mm -hmm. And I had a modded one 
so that way I could play Japanese games yeah. and all that shit. There was a package that I had received because my stepfather was big into gaming and things like that. A Super Nintendo, PlayStation, Dreamcast, all that shit. He ordered me uh, Dragon Ball GT Final Bout. Oh, man. Fucking throwback. And Biohazard. Bio. Which is Resident Evil. Which is Resident Evil. So that was my first foray into Resident Evil was when it came out in Japan. So it was probably about like maybe three weeks after it came out in Japan is when I first played it. And I didn't understand a goddamn thing (laughs) either of those games had going for them. But Jesus Christ. Resident Evil stuck with me. And then when I heard it in American, probably about like six, maybe seven months later, I was just floored with it. Like, And even for a PlayStation 1 game, it, yeah. it, it feels scary. And it looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah, The halls of the mansion, the garden house, the underground labs. Fucking zombie sharks are in that game. Yeah. yeah. And what I love is the fact that, like I, you know, like I wrote, you know, if you pick Jill, different events happen. Yeah. They don't happen to Chris and vice versa. And... You know, Rebecca helps you with one of the bosses. I'm not gonna reveal one right. in case someone wants to play the original, even though it's old as shit. And and in Resident Evil Two, they continued that mm-hmm. with Leon and Jill. That that introduced Sherry and Ada Ada Wong. Ada Wong, yeah. Jill's story in Resident Evil Two was easier than Leon's. Leon's was that was considered, Claire. Oh, Claire, 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 Claire. Yeah, she was considered easy mode, and you know, mm-hmm. Leon was considered uh, hard mode. So. Yeah. Do you think that Resident Evil 6 is the most critically and fan-hated one, or is that Resident Evil 5? Because 6 was the convergence of everybody's stories, right? I, I th- the the problem that they, that they brought into 5 and 6 that made them both hated, I don't know. I don't mind both games. They're okay to me. They're not the best, but they don't bother me as much as other people do. Right. I think six is the most hated because there's too much fucking too much going, going on. on. Too many cutscenes, too many this, and too many that. Definitely stepped away from horror by that point. Yeah, they it were, became full action. Because RE five has some aspects that are scary. They were literally becoming the fast and the furious yeah, it was of video bad. games. Cause when that's why people didn't trust Resident Evil Seven coming out. Right. Because that actually it was first person, which which was done before on the DS. Right. But you haven't really seen it, and people were so scared that it wasn't horror anymore. Right. That when we got Resident Evil Seven and Village and all that kind of stuff, it was a it was a nice refresh. Yeah, hell yeah. But yeah, Resident Evil Five and Six are definitely rough fucking games. Yeah, I think Six but is I, the roughest. I think of Six the main is probably franchise. the most hated because yeah. Chris became the Chris story became Gears of War. Yep. Leon stayed in the horror realm, so yep. Leon's is probably the best one. And then, but then he became like tortured. Yeah, and then Jake and Sherry's thing, like him being Wesker's son, was stupid as fuck. Yeah. It was just it made no sense. They just tried to do too much. So I think yeah. six is probably the worst one. Resident yeah. Evil six. I agree. Um aside from Resident Evil Three remake. Don't, that could be a whole nother that, that's that a, a whole piece of other... shit. <laughs> Generally the remakes are good though. Generally. Yes. Yeah. Resident Evil Three. Resident Evil Two remake. Resident one of the best top remakes. fucking notch remake video games. Just right. Resident Evil Three remake is fucking dog ass. Alright, so you you guys Gals, not binary pals. Y'all get it. We love Resident yeah. Evil. Oh, yeah. um, we've let it be known in this episode. I think we've let our fandoms for zombies and mm-hmm. everything in between kind of gush out on this one. Um, so, yeah, I think with that being said, I would like to talk very quickly 
about Mortal Kombat. Oh my god! Because we brought it up in, in a couple episodes ago. Mortal Kombat One is a huge thing. It's it's Josh's like favorite video game franchise. Mortal Kombat aside. Resident Evil. So. Resident Evil, yeah. So quick rundown of the events that happened yesterday at San Diego Comic Con yep. Friday, uh, because we're recording on Saturday. So go ahead, give the quick rundown. We got a um, we got two reveal trailers. We got the Baraka quote, but it was more so of like the Outworld esque uh, trailer for characters. Yep. Uh, Baraka's returning. Tanya's returning. Uh, Darius from Mortal Kombat Deception is going to be a cameo character. Um, you know, look up that trailer, and it'll show you more of the story, the main story trailer. And mm-hmm. then we got the Combat Pack trailer, which mm-hmm. shows the DLC characters, which confirms now Omni-Man and Homelander are going to mm-hmm. be in the game. Mm-hmm. We have Quan Chi returning. We have Ermac returning. Mm-hmm. Uh... And then we have Takeda, which is Scorpion's son from Mortal Kombat X. Mm-hmm. And there's one more that I'm forgetting. Buy me some time. Um, so that means that potentially Ghostface is going to be a character yes. because the leaks of Omni-Man and... Peacekeeper. Hey, there we go. Peacekeeper. Yeah. And it's the John Cena and it's the John Cena version. Peacekeeper. Yeah, we, we discussed yep. that. What a hell of a fucking DLC mm-hmm. characters that is. And I'm surprised they revealed that before the game's even out. Omni-Man, Homelander, John Cena, potentially Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? That could, that's probably going to be Mortal Kombat Pack 2. Right. Because we yeah. get at least three for the three first cycle the first of the cycle, game. Yeah. So, super excited mm. for Mortal Kombat. Uh, can't wait for uh, the next Resident Evil animated movie. Oh, yeah. Death Island coming out what like next month or something like something that that's like, like that. super soon and they're using the more the the models from the video games yeah voice crack um i love the animated movies for resident evil damnation and all of them they were super fucking yeah. they they are the best adaptation for resident evil in in movie form at least they're keeping it in the universe of resident right evil. exactly so uh for the horrors of gaming that's it <laughs> that was resident evil that was resident evil Our Cursed Ones. We answer questions and read comments by you, the ones who keep us going. Dad! Gaz has been cursed and tastes pigs! There are no curses, son! There must be a scientific explanation! Come on, honey, are you ready for some horrible tests? I guess so. And welcome to the final portion of our show, Our Cursed Ones, where we read your questions, comments, recipes, whatever in between that you have for <laughs> us. Uh, today, we've got two uh, normal contributors to the show um, and good friends of the show. Um, Richard McCutcheon from the Horror Script Podcast, who we have done reviews with Chucky, uh, season one and season two. Unfortunately, our season three review of Chucky is going to be pushed back because of the Screen Actors Guild mm-hmm. and the Writers Guild strike. So... We won't be hearing from the Horror Script Podcast anytime necessarily soon, but, and also they are on a little bit of a hiatus right now, too. So, but he says, if the original Dawn of the Dead is on your list, that is our favorite zombie movie of all time. The nostalgia has a little to do with it, but not too much. Haha. 
So I, I just love remake too much. Yeah, remake for us is uh, it's there, man. The far superior. The far movie. superior for us. For us, obviously. Gonna have to have a fucking podcast war. <laughs> um, and then Louis Marin. Louis Marin has been a contributor previously to the show. He did the Mother's Day poem, um, the vastly awesome poem. Um, had a lot of questions for us, a lot of like thought things. He 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 really enjoys the show, so I'm I'm glad to always answer questions or read his comments. Um, number one, he says, "How do you feel the legacy of Night of the Living Dead has fared with its public domain status, allowing so many remakes and subsequent films to date?" And do you feel more remakes are inbound as more and more tech is developed to the point some of the value of the original makeup and horror details get replaced with CGI slash motion capture, much like some of the films like Nightmare on Elm Street have experienced? I think we covered that pretty well when I said that um, the Romero estate Mm -hmm. doesn't recognize these movies like they're literally just trying to capitalize off the name just of, of it. the dead uh, so that way they can they can make money or whatever mm. um i think the film is wonderful with its uh copyright free standing it, it lets the zombie universe just continue to expand even if you don't want to consider them all to be part of the same timeline like how uh, roth discussed with the um the remake only be attached to the on the dead remake Right. It's still nice to be able to see the of the dead franchise still continue right. to bloom, and I don't I, I don't mind remakes as long as they do them justice. Right. So yeah, the um, I don't think the public domain status has hurt Night no, of the Living Dead uh, because it, you can. I'm sorry, and it also makes it easier to watch because you yeah, can find it. You can find it anywhere and everywhere. We had it last year at uh, Sam Hain's Havoc too, yep. playing in the background. So, you know we definitely love it and we don't I don't think we think that it takes away from anything Um, number two the infamous Shaun of the Dead film I do wonder if with today's standards of normalized exception acceptance be it pro slash anti LGBTQ plus being accused of cultural appropriation canceled for a bad tweet etc to where films are now at times required to have certain minority slash social group additions to please a broad spectrum of people don't find this film as prized as film as it was at the time. Having been dubbed at times one of the best horror-slash-comedy films, this was set in a different generation, and I don't see how Shaun of the Dead may have some praises it once did if it were released today. What are your thoughts? So, basically, I think what he's trying to say is, like, yeah, the cast was super whitewashed. They, you know... There was some offensive things in the movie, but with that being said, much like with what they've done with Rush Hour and much like mm-hmm. what they've done with a lot of other things, it's a product of its time. Yep. Um, cancel culture had gotten so fucking outrageous that we need to realize that it's a product of the time and people can apologize for it. People can do what they want, but it's something that has stood the test of time for a reason. So, yes. There may be some offensive things and some problematic images in there, but you know what? It, the time that it was made is the reflection of it. And if you can give passes to every fucking thing else, then you can give pass to this too. I also, I didn't even know that this movie was considered like controversial at all. I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't either. Like, like I, I mean, I, you know, I watched the film, but I don't know anything about it behind the scenes like that. So reading this, I'm like, oh, 
I, right. I didn't know. I think what he's saying is like, given how crazy cancel culture yeah, has yeah, been, yeah. you know. But I'm glad that this wave of hey, look, this is entertainment that happened when entertainment was acceptable. Yeah. As we've mentioned on the show previously, when we talked about um, uh, waxwork and the the wax museum, those movies, yeah. House of Wax. Yeah. In the 1920s, when the original waxwork movie was made, there was language that they could not use in the 50s. There was language in the 50s ones that they couldn't use That's right. in the I 70s one. About that, yeah. There was language in the 70s one that they couldn't use for mm-hmm. the 2000s one. Language changes. People change. Mm-hmm. Our, our economy gets different over time. This isn't something that's that's new. Yeah. There's almost 8 fucking billion of us goddamn mouth breathers on this fucking planet. Everybody has an opinion. It is what it is. You can only apologize for things so much before it's like, okay, we fucking get it. Beat the dead horse. So I don't think that there's any real controversy with Shaun of the Dead. I don't think that if this movie came out today, it would be canceled. Something like Sleepaway Camp, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe Sleepaway Camp would. Mother's Day, like we've discussed previously. Tourist Trap. Yeah. Stuff like that couldn't survive today's landscape. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how they're going to redo this Toxic Avenger remake. Oh, God, yeah. Because it's already offensive by casting Peter Dinklage as fucking Toxic or Toxie. How are you going to do this without being offensive? It's going to happen. You you, you can't baby everything. So with that being said, I don't think there's anything particularly inherently wrong with Shaun of the Dead. I think it's a great movie. And that's going to bring us to number three, unless you have something else you'd like to say. I really have an opinion because I I just didn't know all that was going on with that that film. Right, yeah. Uh, Me neither. So... (laughs) Number three, he says his top five personal zombie films in no particular order are Warm Bodies, Shaun of the Dead, World War Z, 28 Days Later, and Zombieland. Good list. Very solid list. Except for me, World War Z, because I fucking hate that film. <laughs> Check that on a horror tube. Yeah, I, World War Z is just... Not not for me, but hey, I respect it. It's it's their own personal yep. top five. And you haven't seen Warm Bodies, so it's... Yeah, so I don't have no opinion on that one either. Right. But the, the rest, final, hey. Yeah, top notch. And the final thing, do you prefer Resident Evil on its original PlayStation format or enjoyed more in the GameCube remake? I know for me the PS stands the test of time, but damn it if when damn it if when I played the GameCube, I didn't have nightmares when those jump scares took place. Only other game that scared me that bad was Dead Space. Ooh, Dead Space, that's a foreshadowing of things yep. to come. Mm, see, that's tough for me because while I do like the tank controls, I prefer the more modern controls of it. I like the look of the original more because it looks more like a dilapidated mansion. It's been right. you know, overgrown with right. roots and stuff. While the other one does it justice and it looks prettier, I feel like the original, maybe it's because I remember being terrified of it when it first came out. But... I, I prefer the the that's what he's asking right the did we yeah which one do you prefer the format of the PlayStation or the game yeah I'm gonna go like, with the original just for nostalgia my nostalgia is taking over too much so I kind of prefer that over the the 10 million remakes of the original I'm gonna go with the GameCube version because um, it is good don't get GameCube me wrong. version is really good and I think for me because I grew up fully you were you were still younger yeah when original Resident Evil mm-hmm. came out. 
So you didn't necessarily go through that Lara Croft yeah. cone uh, triangle yeah. titties. <laughs> uh, you got to experience it a yeah. little bit of a later time. But going through that and seeing firsthand how everything changed mm-hmm. in like six, seven years, mm-hmm. that's fucking wild to me, dude. So the 2002 Resident Evil remake, or was it 2002? 2002. Okay. That was fucking top mm-hmm. notch. I, it took everything I loved about Resident Evil and just turned it up to fucking 11. So the the fan side of me is going to say the remake is far superior. Right. But there's something about... The nostalgia side. It's something about just looking back at the old Resident Evil and just falling and in see, love with it every time I And play see, it. I'm going to do that with Silent Hill too. Mm-hmm. The remake's going to come out next year, and I'm... Or is it later this year? I think it's this year. The remake's going to come out, and I'm going to be like, you know, that's a beautiful fucking game. It's gorgeous, but goddamn, It's not the original. It's not Silent Hill 2. So, yeah, with that being said... um, I just want to see if... uh, I don't want to say the wrong release date. No, that's fine. Um, It is... It's all good. I don't think it even says. I think it's just still in development, but... Uh, it's probably either this year or next year, at yeah. least. And yeah. we have the movies coming out and stuff. So yeah. Silent Hill's on our next stop in the horror game world. Yeah, it is. We don't know when, but we'll be stopping by Silent Hill. Oh soon. hell yeah, we will be. Hell yeah, we will be. Um, so with that being said, do you got anything else you want to say to everybody? That's today? all I got. All right. Well, uh, horror tube. We got a. Are we giving them the next episode? Yeah. Let's give them the next episode of horror tube. Um, As we usually do, we preview each episode on the other. The other Channel, show, I guess. The other shows. Um, which one did you say? This one. Uh, originally, what would be sixteen? Yes. Okay. Movies that aren't horror movies, but are. We've actually discussed quite a few of those today. Uh, an example is uh, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Is horror, no. or it could be considered a horror movie. No. Nope. Even though technically it's not under. The umbrella of horror. There will be blood. Mm-hmm. Could be a horror movie. So, could be a horror movie, as I say with air quotes, mm-hmm. is left up to big interpretation. Oh, yeah. Big interpretation energy, as they say around here. Yep. So, we'll see you for Horror Wars 2 and 2. 2 and 2. Shout out to Chuck Woolery. Shout out Chuck Woolery. <laughs> um, and then for Horror Tube, we'll see you next weekend uh, with that. May May. <laughs> Even the dead laugh. Some things need to be recorded again, and we bring them to you at the end of every episode. Testing one, two, three. This is my anus. Both of my anuses are together. Ooh, yeah. This is an anus over here from one. This is an anus over here from two. One. Do electric fucking boogaloo of anuses. This is anus meat. Meat of anuses. Yes, the meat of the anus. This is anus meat. And this is anus meat number two. Yes. I keep wanting to say hard tube all the time. Hard tube. Hard tube. It's because you do it with the 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 list of doom. And in horror to a little bit of the I think the gaming portion I do too. I yeah. don't remember. That's still yeah. pretty new. <laughs> That's still pretty new. Yeah. Whoop noise. Hopefully not. Hello. Blah 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 blah. Welcome to the third blooper.
Speaking of number three, man, October's coming right around the corner. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, yeah. It'd be wild if there was some news about something that had to do with a number three coming soon. Teaser. <sighs> now we are recording in the kitchen. Let's see if there's more of a... Right. If anything, there's a fish tank, so we might hear that. But, hey, it's like ASMR, kind of. I guess. Yeah. Kind of like hard tube. Hard tube. And here we are outside. In the truck. In the truck. Please. In the fucking dead of summer, hoping that we don't get a... We need the best quality of noise. Mm-hmm. Testing, testing. T-t-t-t-test. Please. No. Testing, testing, one, two. I swear to God, if it was that fucking power strip this whole time. To hear everything that happened on that date, we'll do it in two and two. Right back. Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Lamont, and I appreciate you sticking around for this ending message. You can find me at Vilcado on Instagram. Also, be sure to follow Horror Wars on all social media platforms, including TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, and everywhere in between. If you want to leave a horror question, comment, or say something about the show, please drop us an email at horrorwarspodcast at gmail.com. See you next time, and remember, keep it classy with a dash of slashies.